Hello, and welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 63. Today, Brian and I are welcoming Josh Sharif and Sarah Tierney. They both work together to write the book, Stranger at Our Shore. Josh came to America as a child with his mother and sister from Egypt. His mother, a Christian, fled with him as it was becoming increasingly dangerous for them there. The book tells a story from his early childhood in Islam to coming to America and finding Christ. Josh, now a pastor, not only shares his story, but uses his experience to present a challenge to the church today to live out its mission. It's a great conversation we know you'll enjoy. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can find us at thebiblebistro.com, on Instagram and Facebook at The Bible Bistro. You can watch us on YouTube as well at Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. If you are watching us there, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We've also set up a Patreon account. So if you're enjoying the podcast and would like to support our continued work, you can do that. You can find a link for that in the show notes, but also by going to the website, thebiblebistro.com and clicking on the link at the top. If you can't financially support us, you could also support the Bistro by simply sharing the podcast with others or leaving us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps us as well. All right, let's jump right into our conversation with Josh Sharif and Sarah Tierney. Hey, Brian, welcome back to the Bistro. Hey, Ryan, how's it going today? It's going all right. It's going all right. It's a nice day here in Indianapolis. Yeah, we, How, actually, we, we actually literally got to eat together today, which was nice. It was, it was nice. Out on the patio, it was a little steamy, a little steamy, you know, as it goes. It wasn't too bad, though. I'm not going to complain about the weather today, so. <laughs> Very good. Well, today is a special day. We've got a couple guests with us. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I said the bistro, any, any good day in the bistro, and, and, you know, I'll say to my guest, I think you probably know this, but the bistro, the whole idea of it is it's kind of a place we gather around tables, and I was thinking the book we're going to talk about today, food is a really big part of the book. I didn't even think about it until afterwards, <laughs> yeah. but. We have with us today Sarah Tierney and uh, Josh Sharif, and uh, Josh and and Sarah have written this book together. It's kind of Josh's story and some of his ideas, and uh, I'll say I knew, um, I met Josh and Sarah both uh, back when I was a professor at Lincoln, and uh, even uh, Josh's, Josh's sister, Joy, that's mentioned in the book several times, I got to know them there, and so it's very, very good to have you guys in the in the bistro with us today. Uh, Josh is now a pastor. He was uh, a pastor in uh, Albany Park, or is a pastor in Albany Park, Chicago, Illinois. You call it several times in the book, one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the country. And uh, we'll be hearing more about that. But uh, you've been there over a decade now, I think. And then uh, Sarah is a um, a licensed clinical counselor. She was a, a born to missionary parents, and you grew up your childhood anyway. Your early childhood was in Eastern Congo, mm-hmm. according to the book blurb anyway. And uh, then uh, she ended up moving back with her family to Illinois and uh, is now a licensed clinical counselor. And then you, you call yourself a, a, a writer by night, a counselor <laughs> by day and a writer by night. Yeah, so, that's it. so it's good to have both of you. Yeah. What were you saying, Sarah? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So anyway, I'll start by saying this. I, I read this book and really loved it. I thought it was super good. And and there's something very unique about it. And uh, I think one of the strengths of it, Josh, is it really comes out of your personal story. And, and I love the fact that you begin by kind of giving your testimony of being an immigrant uh, into the United States and your experience with the church. And it, it's a great story. I don't want you to give it all away because I want people to buy the book and let <laughs> read the whole story because it's, it's, a, it's a great – I literally – you know, you talk about not putting a book down, but I literally couldn't put that part of it down as I read kind of the whole story. And I'd heard parts of it, and, and, and I never heard it all put together in that way. Um, give me just, though, uh, just, uh, just for our listeners, a brief overview of kind of what your early life and your story was in terms of, you know, how you ended up here in the United States. Sure. So I'm originally from Egypt, and I grew up in a Muslim family. Uh, my family was, you know, moderately practicing. Uh, certain parts of my family were more devout than others, but, you know, early age, I, I, I felt a real sense of wanting to to pursue my faith and, um, you know, again, not giving away everything, but I found myself, you know, with my family immigrating to to America and in my grandparents' um, living room, I in their office, actually, I began to discover Jesus, pieces of Jesus mm. through Scripture, and uh, longer story than that. But but that <laughs> conversion and our family's conversion really led to uh, some danger for us, and so we spent, you know, a better part of my my childhood all the way to college years on the run and using fake names and um, that kind of thing. So um, that's really you know to connect it back to to. Uh, studying uh, with you at uh, Lincoln, you know, really that th- that was the end of that season. Me walking mm. into to college, coming out of high school, um, and and living on the run for about ten years, wow. and walking into uh, Bible yeah. college. Well, that part of the story is great. And the other thing is, I mean, it's your personal experience when you're talking about um, the way that we share our faith with with immigrants as well, because you're working in a community where there. are People from all over the world. You're in, in your neighborhood. There are people from all over the world. Just, just a really great uh, story. I did want to comment. You mentioned that idea of, of being uh, dangerous, and you've kind of you, you kind of came out of that time. Is telling the story at all? Is that are you worried about that, or is there any kind of danger that's associated with kind of publishing this book or anything like that? Yeah, you know, we really considered that. Considered what what repercussions there could be for for doing that. We thought about. Um, you know, using a pseudonym, making it a little more anonymous, but ultimately, um, you know, the book is about getting people to share their life, share their stories, mm. and it's about overcoming fear. It, you know, it it's about trusting God yeah. and and having the kind of faith that um, is willing to walk into the hard places. So it, it, it felt that we needed to be careful. We didn't need to re- reveal every detail and 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 give everyone, you know, um, you know, GPS coordinates of, 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 of every, every piece of my story. At, at the same time, um, I think there's there is something about saying, this is who I am. Here's my name. And here's what Jesus has done in my life, wow. and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not afraid of yeah. that, and um, you know, I trust Jesus with that. I'll tell you, I, I'll probably say more about this later. But the the 
the big section you had on fear, I thought was was fan, fantastic. I just really it, it convicted me, and I really really appreciated it. Sarah, I want to talk to you. What what uh, what got you involved in this project? How would you describe your involvement here, and uh, why was it so important to you to to be a part of this and and to see this book come to light? Would you say? Yeah, Josh and I met in college, um, and we were in ministry together just for a short time at a a small church here in central Illinois. Um, And then we kind of parted ways. And around the time of the election, it was around 2016, in my ministry context, I just felt like there was a lot of fear. Um, There was a lot of just a lot of fear of Islam and uh, Muslim people. And I don't need to get into like the specifics, <laughs> the comments and things that I heard, but right. Um, right. at the same time, Josh just happened to come down and teach a class um, mm. about his story. He was giving his testimony at a church and teaching about Islam. And we had lunch after that. I hadn't seen him in a while. And that's when I kind of floated the idea. I was, I just felt like, there was such a need. I felt like if people could meet Josh, they would not be afraid. Like if they could meet him. And that's mm-hmm. really for me, a big part of the book is just allowing people to meet Josh because there aren't there right. aren't a lot of Joshes, at least in my ministry context. So I right. think I think that's a really important part and that's why we started with that. That's cool. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that's very interesting. And so, I actually have a question for for Josh on on some of this because I think I want to tie all this together because there's this idea of fear and and what kind of comes along with someone who comes from a Muslim background. But Josh, you you say in the book that at one point you wanted to be an imam, you know, and that there was um, this desire for you that you were kind of searching after God uh, in some mm-hmm. ways, or maybe God was pursuing after you. Can you describe? you know, God's pursuit of you, even in that context um, sure. uh, of, of of where you were? Yeah, you know, I, I think at a very young age, I was aware of of the supernatural world. I just, I just had a real faith in, hmm. in there's something more. And so I, I would constantly engage my parents on that. I think probably at a young age more than, you know, they engaged me to try to teach me any faith or mm. any, anything. And I think once I grasped the the idea of this higher power, this God, this, you know, um, of the, there's this God of, of the universe somewhere, I, I, I thought that, you know, what other pursuit can you have than, than to pursue mm. that to, and to please that God? And I think I would describe my early years in, in Islam as wanting to do what I what I can to pursue God and and to please God, and then I I think for me the shift in finding Jesus is realizing that He was pursuing me, and hmm. um, that He was pleased with me, and so my service of God I I think switched from trying to please God to serving God because. He he was he was pleased with me already. He loved me already. He forgave me already, um, and there was, um, you know, stability in my early life when I wasn't living on the run as far as my that that physical sense of my life. But there was a constant motion of of 
this angst of pursuing God or wanting to know what that would, would be like to please God. And I would say the other part of my childhood was being on the run, being in constant mm-hmm. motion, but have feeling a, an overwhelming sense of security in, in who Jesus is and the stability that I don't have to, to, to do anything to please him and, and yeah. to pursue, pursue him. He was, he was right there with me. Yeah. So, so Sarah, as you're helping Josh kind of tell this story, how are you making those decisions about what parts of his story to tell and what not? Because I think there might be some people that kind of go, man, he, he was feeling he was called to something else to what we would say is not the God of scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, he was called to be uh, a disciple of something that was not, but you included this part of the story. So tell us a little bit about how you made these choices. Cause you're trying to help us, you know, you say, if I could just meet Josh, you know, if we could just meet Josh, but how do you, how are you making those decisions about what do you share a part of his story? And, you know, even in that story, what were you hoping, what were, what were you trying to share about Josh and, and, and uh, his life with Jesus now? Mm-hmm. Um, Josh has so many stories and it was difficult to like <laughs> narrow it down. Um, but I think one thing that helped us and really the book was a series of interviews like that we we don't even live close to each other so it was just kind of in the margins of our life like we would do phone calls and i would interview him and just kind of type down everything he said um and there just seemed to be like certain themes that would kind of surface um that seemed really important and i mean it took us a long time to write the book because we wrote it that way like it took us about five years i think um, so we had plenty of time wow. to think about like what was what was really important um, to put in there. And I think that's that is one of the parts that I love about the book are all the stories that Josh has. And I think that's one of the big anchors of the book is just how important it is to tell your story. And Josh's testimony, obviously, that's a big part of it. And, um, you know, I think for me. I was kind of the writer of it, but Josh is really the author. So I just wanted him to tell his story, like from his heart. And I think that came across. I hope it did. It does. Uh, it, it, came, it comes across very, very authentic. I would say very genuine, which, which yeah. I think will be an attractive part of that. Yeah. <laughs> and can I, can I say too, in, in the process yeah. of, of going back and forth and working in the margins and working with Sarah, what I think was amazing about putting this together was there were really certain parts of this that I had no interest in telling. There were mm-hmm. certain subjects I, I didn't really want to explore further or talk about further. Um, and or, or I just simply thought, no one needs to know this, or, you know, this is already understood, or, or something like that. Having somebody like, like Sarah there to say, no, please share more about this mm. or I know this is vulnerable but you know we need we need to press into this or or this is needed really challenged me um I, I wanted to push past a lot of that beginning story part that you were talking about that mm. that, that you love I really want to get into the teaching because you know as a pastor mm. as a you know I, I said and 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 and, and quite honestly I, I I didn't want to write a, a book at first I just felt mm. like there's a lot of books. There's a lot of people who have stories, <laughs> right. you know, keep my head down and just do God's work where I'm, where I'm planted. Um, so it, it was just so immensely invaluable to have really two mm-hmm. heads from two different contexts. Right. And I think the way we wrote it almost 
is a bit of a microcosm of what we're hoping happens. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do it on purpose, but, but right. that kind of collaboration um, enriched the book, I think. I don't want to read too much into this, but it, um, of course, you know, Sarah's a licensed professional counselor. <laughs> and it's like, and, and it's yep. like, you know, it's almost like you're talking about these being counseling sessions. Was, was there something that was, did the going through this process, did it, was it helpful for you, do you think? And, you know, did it make a, a change in you or? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess on, on multiple levels, I think there is something, um, important about sharing your stories with people mm. that you trust and sharing right. kind of the, the deep and hard things, um, unedited, especially, you know, w- right. what we refine and publish is, 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 is all true, but, but there, there's a lot of, of, uh, of pain and, and margins left on those stories that are first told. And so knowing I could trust Sarah through that was, was mm. certainly um, helpful. But then the whole thing really becomes a mirror. A mirror. And I, okay. I, you know, you begin to realize as you kind of reshare some of those painful parts of, of your life and some mm. of those challenging parts, how how much redemption God brings in your life. Wow. And sometimes you just need to tell those old stories right. again and retread those paths of pain and and that's where you realize wow, you know, I I'm skipping I'm skipping through my story here because God has right. been so gracious to me uh, and redeemed these these real mm. pits of despair I, I walked through. Wow, that's that's very good. That that's powerful. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um I want to. I do want to ask this because I think this is important. Is is there anything, Josh, that you wouldn't want to say to someone who might be listening, who's an immigrant or um, a refugee, or specifically uh, from a, a Muslim background, a believer who's who's from a Muslim background? Anything you'd want to say to them specifically? Yeah, you know, um, as an immigrant, um, specifically as a refugee, and I think for anyone out there who 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 feels like they've come to this country or to this place in their life without many choices. The thing I value the most about Jesus is that he comes to us with, with freedom. Hmm. And my, my mother always uh, likes to say, you know, with Jesus, you have a choice. And um, I think there's, if there's any of those people listening who feel like, you know, this wasn't the path of life that they'd hoped for. They're coming as a refugee. Um, there is freedom and life in Jesus. And that's, and that's what I hope, you know, somebody who would read my story would see that, wow, this is not, God didn't just call this person out of a, out of a difficult situation into survival, but God hmm. equips us with a purpose and a hope and a future and, and, and redemption. And, um, and especially to those who are, in Islam and are per- and have a heart to pursue God, what I truly believe is um, uh, the the Lord Jesus is open to those who pursue Him. And so, if you do, if you have a heart that pursues God, I'm confident that that you will find Jesus. Hmm. Wow, appreciate that, Ryan. Did you have something you wanted to ask or? I've got yeah, some. So, I've got tons of questions. I'm giving you. Here, here's yeah. your chance. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, this is fantastic. Yeah. So, what do you feel like? Both of you. How do you think this 
process changed both of you? I mean, I know, Josh, you kind of shared like some of that vulnerability, but Sarah, how did it, how did it change you? You know, you, you, you deal with, you know, we talked about maybe this is a little bit of counseling and Josh, you're working through some of the stuff, but Sarah, how did this change you? Like what, was there a change of heart for you? I mean, I know you were friends and you knew him and I'm not saying change of heart towards him, but was there something that you felt like was being revealed to you through this process as well, Sarah? Yeah, um, many things, but there are a few that really stand out. I think it took me a while to see it, um, what Josh was talking about, how the book is, the process of writing the book is kind of a microcosm of what the book is about. Um, And I didn't even realize that until we actually turned in our manuscript, (laughs) like with Moody. And I was like, I was just blown away when I finally saw like, oh, like the foundation of this is our cross-cultural friendship. Like that is, that's how this came about because the book really wouldn't exist with, if both of us weren't there. So I think that um, just recognizing that these friendships that we make, um, you know, through the body of Christ, like they allow us to do this kind of work to, and we all need each other. We really need each other um, in doing this kingdom work. And so that was huge. But I also think like Josh and I didn't, like we're just not well connected. Like we don't have big followings or anything. So it's been fun to see just what God is doing. Um, Because I think our publisher even just kind of took a chance on us because they, they believed in the content and stuff. So that it's just been awesome to see like how God will just multiply, you know, your story. If you open up and you share what you have, your, your little loaves and fishes, like God is going to take those and just multiply in ways that you can't Mm. possibly imagine. So I'm excited to see what happens next. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) that mutual, I'll call it mutual transformation or that, that idea that, that we, you know, it's not us reaching out to them, you know, or to the less fortunate or whatever, but it's really a mutual way that we, like you said, we need each other, you know, all of us cross-culturally and in different stages of life and in different um, economic circumstances, all that we need one another is, is, is central to the entire book and lots of good examples. You guys use some really good scriptural examples. I really, I loved, and I I make this point, but you guys said it so much better. I'm going to steal the way you said it now, but uh, Acts 10, where you talk about Cornelius's household. And I, and I love to talk about that. And I say exactly the same thing you did in terms of, you know, Peter was not he wasn't expecting that. He he wasn't really hoping anybody would respond. He didn't give an invitation, right? And, and I, I can't remember exactly the way. It was something to the effect that that God was reaching two people here, not just Cornelius, but also Peter. And, man, I thought that was such a great point, a great illustration of what you're talking about is God works in us in, in order to um, share Christ with immigrants and with with refugees and with others he uses immigrants and refugees and and, and you know people in all kinds of circumstance to to change our hearts you know and I thought that was such a such a fantastic point uh, what do you think happens when the church misses that point uh, or, or when Christians fail to live in that kind of mutual, uh, transformation, or whatever you want to call it that, you use the term family a lot, which I think is a you know, of course, Paul used it, so it's a pretty good, pretty good metaphor. But uh, what do you think the church misses when we fail to see that? Either one of you, <laughs> Josh, you, you go ahead. You're thinking about it. Yeah, you know, that story for me, um, 
as I as I thought about it and and as I you know thought it needed to be included in the book, it I couldn't quite make out half the time if I felt like Peter or if I felt like Cornelius's household, and right. I think that for me was the realization of I think you know we need to kind of see ourselves on on both sides of that, right. and what a shame it would have been if 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 Peter thought my under I you know. I, I ministered with Jesus for his earthly ministry. I saw the resurrected right. Christ. What more do I need to learn or what more, how, right. how much more do I need to grow? You know, and who would argue with Peter? Right. Um, and I wonder even, you know, this is pure speculation, but you know, um, you know, that the drastic nature of God reaching Peter and having to kind of saying like, you know, you're going to do this. You're going to eat what I, what I tell right. you to eat. You're going to, I wonder if if Peter wasn't closed off, and and I think that that's a warning for us yeah. that we need to continue to grow and continue yeah. to be humble um, as I mean, we grow in the family. You know, I yeah. have three three kids. We just had our our youngest now is three months three months old, right. and you know, as a family, a household that that grows, it's easy to see how you're. You change and the things you learn because when your fam when the family's young, everyone is is growing, right? Right. Your family adjusts. You need to get a bigger car as your family grows. <laughs> right. Things are constantly moving, but there there gets a point, and I think in the same way in our faith walk or in our churches, mm. where we get we get this feeling that we're all fully grown and nothing's going to change now. Right. And I think that's that's dangerous, and I think that's the lesson from Peter there that. That God is is not done um, sanctifying us, working in our in our lives, in our hearts, and that there's more to do. And and I think here's the warning: what the growth that God is is bringing into our lives, it has mm. real effects on other people. Right. Mm. If Peter didn't obey, if Peter right. didn't grow, could God have used somebody else? But but of course. Right. But. Peter needed to grow so he could yeah. make room for more in the family, and so that's do we. Good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah he did. Uh, Peter did say no, no to God three times earlier in the chapter, right? Yeah, but I, I, I think this is what I love about this book is it is partly your story, you know, and and you digging back and kind of going through what you experienced, but also it's a call to how Christ worked through others around you. And, you know, and, and, and pursued you and now the calling that you have on your life and that it is partly your story, but it's more about the story of how the church globally can participate in the work of God and calling others just like you, you know, and, yeah. and participating in that. Yeah. So that's, I just wanted to say, like, the one thing I really loved about the book was it's not just, here's my story. It's, here's my story. And here's, here's a call to the church. Here's here's a call to all of us that are part of the body of Christ. How can we truly love the body of Christ to refugees and those who are coming, uh, who may not share the the faith that we have right out of the gate? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, did you have something else, Ryan? I was trying to think. I was trying to think what I wanted to ask. No, next. I just, I well, just let, me, let me paragraph. <laughs> let me ask this. I, uh, I I minister in a small rural congregation uh, right now. Um, it's out. It's not even in in the town it's outside of town in in kind of a cornfield and uh it's it's nearby a small town very little diversity ethnically or otherwise 
what would what would you say about uh, someone from a congregation like that? And I want to ask both of you, Sarah and and Josh. Sarah, we'll let you go first. Why would you recommend someone in a congregation like that read this book? What what are they going to get out of it? I think that I'm in the same exact kind of <laughs> congregation, and okay. the first my first thought is. Just other small towns around us, not specifically my small town, but are continually um, just receiving these uh, populations from Mexico, Congo, Haiti. Like it, it really is, you know, we're not this, we're not isolated as much as we used to be. So right. things are, so I would, that's the first place my head kind of goes with that. But I think also when I think about my specific church, um, even if we don't have one of those, you know, people groups near us that, you know, when I started talking about the book, I'm actually thinking of a guy in my church right now who came up and he was like, Hey, I, I have some apartments that I rent to people. Um, would that be good? Like, could, could I like, you know, provide an apartment for maybe an immigrant family? Mm. And I was like, Yes, that would be amazing. So I called one of my friends at World Relief and just asked if they had anything like that, you know, where they would um, help families find housing or things like that. And she cried. She started crying. And she said, I I literally was just looking for my friends. There's an immigrant family she was trying to find housing for. There's no housing that's affordable or, you know, like down here, mm. the housing is just, um, yeah. it's plentiful, it's affordable. And up there, it's just so difficult sometimes for them to find housing. So we talked for like an hour. I was like, okay, you know, we still, even if they're not around us, we still have a mandate to take care of that that group. Sure. Um, so I thought yeah. that, that was the, really cool yeah. how that worked out. <laughs> kind of a change in, change in heart and in people's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Josh, what about you? What, what would you, how would you answer that question? Yeah, you know, and both to... To your question, and even in Ryan's comment, you know, when we when we thought about this project, I really was against writing a memoir. You know, I I did a whole lot of um, sharing my testimony at churches and things like that, and I got to the point where I, I wanted to I got to the point where I was I want to talk about what God is doing now, not not just what what God did with you know it it is a unique story, so so people right. want to hear that. And so we wanted something that was going to be relevant to the to the church at large. And one of the things that we were hoping to do is that the principles should work regardless of what community you're in. This is okay. really about what it looks like to be a family, what it looks like to pursue God, and what it looks like to, to have our identity rooted in God before all you know, our own nations or our own cultures or any of that. And, um, you know, the emphasis on prayer in there. Uh, so, so I really wanted this to be a book that could help people make disciples to be and make disciples regardless of their, their context. And I think, um, I, I think it can be a in my opinion, of course, I, I wrote the book and I, and I agree with what I wrote in the book. So, um, you, but in, you're in your my favorite opinion, author, I, right? Yeah, I think I think it can be applied to to yeah. any context. I agree. Yeah. I think also, if if I may, uh -huh. there is a, a little bit like what Sarah's saying. There is some kind of principle of of preparation, like 
being a church who says we're ready, we're willing. Yeah. Sometimes God, that's when God opens yeah. the the doors. Being intentional about it and and, and preparing. Yeah, so that's good. That's a good point. Thank you. I think that's one of the things is like, I know you've kind of said like, who should, who should read this book? Uh, you're saying, you know, everyone. So yeah, I mean, specifically, I think like with, I think that's a hard thing for someone to kind of place their, um, themselves into that. So for example, I grew up in a small town in Southern Illinois, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like there was not a immigrant population that was coming there. I'm in Indianapolis now. There is, you know, much more of an immigrant population or people that don't look like me or came from Southern Illinois, yeah. you know, um, something like that. So how do you, how does this ben book benefit them if they don't even feel like there's any uh, adjacency to that context of where they feel like this is something that is even relevant to them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think building that heart of compassion because our world is a global world i think we need to um start with that understanding no matter where where we live and what our what our context is we try very very hard to not hit any uh political lines i think we we have made sure that there's no in a sense politics in the book but we we try to deal with a perspective of what does the Bible say about the, these kinds of people groups and what should our response be? Um, and, and specifically what, what do we do with those neighbors? I, I do, I do think that, and a little bit towards Sarah said, I do think that people are unaware of how adjacent mm -hmm. people are because I spent m most of my time in hiding, trying to fit in, mm -hmm. you know, like, late 90s early 2000 you know bleach my hair like you know wear the puka shell necklaces <laughs> just pretend to not be anything other than what my neighbors are hmm. and and i remember specifically as well in the in the small church that that um that i was a pastor at rural small church that sarah was at and and um sarah and jake were at as well for a while we started to realize that you know, it was very much majority white, but there were some other people that came maybe like a, a town over at, we, you know, maybe, maybe there was like a 0.5% diversity in the whole county or, or, or whatever, anything else other than white, but they started making their way. Hmm. And, okay. um, because they felt there was a welcome there or, right. or something like that. And so, you know, I, I don't think with the internet, with our global world, that anyone lives in a bubble anymore. And I right. think this is an issue that's gonna, if it, if it, if you're in a community that it hasn't touched, it's gonna touch yeah. um, sooner rather than later. E even if you watch the news differently or you, you know, you think yeah. about yeah. things differently, I, I yeah. think that, and, and you made a great point there, I think, you know, would we want people thinking of Christians in the way they sometimes are stereotyped in on the news or in, in certain stories. I think that was a great point. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. keep going here. So Josh, as, as a pastor the, who's lived on both sides of this coin, you know what I mean? Like where you feel like yeah. you're an outsider and now you're pastoring church. So what are some of the things, I know you've <laughs> written a couple of things in the book, but how do you you know, you're in a very diverse neighborhood now, you know, and mm -hmm. I think sometimes even in the church, it's like, well, I see someone on a Sunday morning that doesn't look like me. I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm welcoming them. I see them. I might say hello, yeah. but how are you making those intentional connections? You know, what, what do you, what, what, 
why are those connections important and and how mm-hmm. are you you know what are, what are some things that you've kind of implemented saying like this is what i really see as like how, how the church can be before you know to to move forward and be welcoming to these communities besides just hey they're they might be in the seat you know down three seats down for me but yeah. something more than that so we can really be a community together yeah i mean uh specifically working outside in um we talk in the book about what i call a receiving model which is to say you know there's some of that preparation are we intentional with um receiving people into this country and into into our churches or into our communities the same way we would have a sending model where the traditional missionary sending model is um and and that's not i think that's a great model to send people who are prepared to reach the the nations can we at the same time invest similar energy to prepare ourselves our churches or or people missionaries to to receive the nations because god is doing something god is stirring up the nations we see we see it um happening and you know i i think one of the things that we really try to come make come across in the book and pursue is the is the commonality of this work and i think sometimes we really make this mistake of like needing specialists and needing like special tools and special and and i think we point to uh, you know one of the places we go to in scriptures acts 4 you know these unschooled ordinary men but they were with jesus like some of the stories we share i think some of the most effective people we've seen cross-culturally are you know from places like you're saying you know have come from you know very white america and but their heart their love and what god is doing in their hearts has spilled out and and i think they're they're sometimes as or more effective than i am in reaching cross-culturally and that's what i've seen over and over um, and then I think the biggest tool we talk about the table, we just talk about, you know, we don't have like, you know, specific programs and things like that to try to get people to become friends and, and connect. One of the, the, the early things we did, and it wasn't like a big brainstorm strategy. We just thought we don't have a lot in common. What is one thing we have in common when you, we, so we started in a very multicultural area and, and you think. All right. If you're dual cultural church, if you're let's say like a like a black and white church, or or maybe you're quad cultural, you have you know people from this people, you can like switch up a little bit. We're gonna do this this style this week and this, and right. and everyone has twenty five percent, and we <laughs> right. come together. We all. But what happens if you have even more than that? And so right. for us, we we thought there's no way we can cater to everyone's preferences. So we're gonna call everyone to set aside their preferences hmm. and we're going to come to the table because what right. culture doesn't eat what culture <laughs> right. doesn't come to the table doesn't celebrate whatever holiday over a meal right. you know those are all so standard um yeah and 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 we just saw it saw it to start happening when we invite each other into our everyday lives that's when you know what's the you know i, I don't know what's the saying or something like that you know when you're getting to know people, they sit in your living room. When you really know people, they stand in your kitchen. Your kitchen, you know? right. That's right. that's the intimacy yeah. is found in just come into our ordinary, normal spaces. Yeah. And it's reciprocal. You know, it's a little bit 
of, um, you know, you see invitations, uh, G- Jesus saying, I'm going to eat at your house. Hmm. So yeah. it's not only hosting, but it's also being hosted right. um, as well, which, which sometimes I think we want to do an intimate thing in a controlled place. Right. Yeah, I, I want to come to your to your cafe. Those, I bet those are great potluck dinners. <laughs> those are going to be fantastic there. But I love that you talked about the cafe and just what a difference it made and how you had to be intentional. You know what I loved about it is you 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 were honest about the difficulty of that too. That it wasn't just you know sometimes people will talk about their strategy and it's like oh and it was worked magically and you, you told some of the stories and the way it worked very well. But you also sure. said. We had to be intentional about it. We had to tell the crew, "Hey, don't don't tear down until you got to spend at least ten minutes." And I mean, that was you know, any pastor who's who's done that kind of church in a box thing immediately recognized that story. You know, so yeah. I thought I thought that was that was a really good thing. You mentioned prayer earlier, and I and I love the emphasis on prayer too. I thought that was that was there are three or four things in this book that I mean, the whole book was great, but three or four things that just really convicted me, and and that was one of the things just your emphasis on prayer. Again, you're very authentic there. You know, we we emphasized at the beginning, and then we kind of got busy doing other stuff, and we had to recommit ourselves to it. What what would you say is is how do you understand prayer in in terms of its importance to the church? I mean, obviously, it's you know we all say it's important. How, how do you see us kind of living that out in a, in a very intentional way? As you know, what would you recommend for churches and in living that out, or individuals and in living that out in a very intentional way? What would you say about that? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Every pastor knows, you know, you you plan s- some event or something like that, and you have everyone show up, and you plan a, a prayer event, and you know, <laughs> right. two two older ladies show up. You know, that's <laughs> right. that 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 feels a lot how it goes, and I I, I think I think there is um there's a certain separation of, of prayer from as, as an event or as, as a thing. And I think trying to figure out how we can have that as part of our everyday life. But I think also strategically, there is, there is a place where we can't say, okay, Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. He's the one really in charge of the strategy. He's the one really leading us. And he's the one who's, you know, in his name and by his power, we do all these things. It's his name that saves, not not anything we teach you or, you know, we can't go on saying all those things and also forget to to spend time <laughs> right. with Jesus. Right. Because I think uh, there's a certain sense of um, the the fruit that we produce w- will be according, you know, to, to the to the um, to our connectedness to, to the spirit right. of God. And I think some of us have skill in, in certain areas, so we can produce some stuff. We can gather some people. We can put on some services. We can, you know, some people are very musically talented. They can really worship. But but if we want communities to change, lives to change, um, the miraculous um, to happen, and the simple miraculous, which is take taking two people who are completely different <laughs> and bringing them together in one family, then right. we need God's spirit for that, and we need his leading, right. and we need to... Uh, practice listening to his voice and 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 following his leading. Yeah, I agree. Very good, Sarah. Do you have anything you want to add to that, or anything else you want to say? No, I think I I just say amen to that. I think that's great. Yeah, 
that's really good. Yeah. So what did you both hope to accomplish with this book? You know, that it it is, as I mentioned before, it's the, it's part is your story, Josh, and uh, what your family and your mother and your sister and Heidi, you know, and then also it's this kind of pastoral Mm -hmm. uh, piece of it. What do you hope to accomplish through this? Like, what did you, I know you kind of, kind of the book kind of evolved and it kind of grew as the stories came out, but what did you, what do you hope the changes or what do you hope people take away from reading this story from Josh reading your story and then also hearing your heart from ministry and how ministry is playing out in, in your context in a very diverse neighborhood, but also um, for, for everyone, what do you, what do you hope is the change? What are you hoping to accomplish with this? Sure. Sarah, you want to go first? Um, sure. I have several different hopes um, for the book, but one of the things that we kind of committed to early on is we just did not want to be heavy handed with the church. We wanted it to be uplifting and encouraging. And I think I think we've done a good job of that. Like, it's really, you know, this is a book that I've read probably a hundred times now. <laughs> And just through the editing process. And honestly, it still, every time I have read it, empowers me um, personally and convicts me. So I think that, um, I guess my hope is that I just want to the church to be able to repeat the process. Like the church really did love Josh well. They did not do it perfectly, but they loved his family and him very well. And um, he met Jesus through that. And I think that's my hope is that there would just be more stories like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I, I, I certainly echo that. You know, one of the things that, you know, for years I've, I, and after my sermons, I, I talk, I go to the book of James and I talk about not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And I think back to Sarah's point, you know, I've read books with, with critiques and instructions and it has felt like it's crushing, you know, you just don't even know where to go after that because you are so convicted or you are, you feel inadequate um, to take next steps. And so I, my hope is that this will help, the church, the individual, take the, their next step and encourage them to be doers of of God's word, not not our words, but we try to really have a, a scriptural yeah. emphasis. Can we can we together be be doers um, of of God's word? What kind of context do you imagine this being used in? Like small groups, or, or is this targeted at pastors primarily, or both? Or what? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think we are coming out with a small group guide. Um, there's okay. definitely those reflection questions at the end of you know yeah. certain sections of the book that that can be used for individual use. But I think it is really um, kind of been designed to just be discussed and talked about. So yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah, that that we were we clearly did not want people to read this alone. We right. we we felt like we didn't write this alone. We don't want people to read this alone, and we we don't want people to try to implement this alone. It, it is really yeah. kind of a family uh, undertaking, and that's why the book is also not not long. And we it, in the way we've sectioned it, we've really tried to section it down so you, it could be very bite sized, right. even though it's already short. Uh, so that it can really capture a wide 
wide audience and and help the reader through it. There's moments where the book asks you to pause and there's those reflection right. moments uh, because we want we want it to to work in a in a wide context and and be something that serves the church. Yeah. In the reflection question, I noticed almost every time you said, what are some scriptures that were mentioned in this? You know, it is very scriptural, very, uh, you know, you guys have done a great job of integrating some good stories from scripture in, into it. And I think, yeah, I think it's really good. It would be, uh, you're great. The, you're right. The discu discussion would be fantastic. I think it would be really good to for any church to, to discuss, to talk about. Yeah. And and I just want to echo, you know, Brian said there were some parts for him that were kind of really convicting for him. Um, you know, it, and Josh, you kind of brought this section up. I was when I was reading this, I was reading this in bed and it was that whole thing again of um, the church is really great at sending. You know, we spend so much time and energy and we we even hire, you know, like the missions pastor. And it's all about sending and sending and going outside and going outside. But um, also, how are we preparing our hearts when we're in the pew um, as a congregant or even, you know, if, as your pastor in a church, how are you preparing your people? Um, you, you know, <laughs> it's easy, you know, with the with uh, with when you're going outside, it's easy just to push money or push out stuff. But, you know, to, to be receiving, it's about our own hearts and uh, letting Christ shape us uh, and, and use us. And so that was really convicting for me. Um, and, and I appreciate it. It wasn't heavy handed at the same time. You know, Sarah, you, you know, you wanted to you wanted to share that. But it was, you know, it was for me, it was what I loved about the book was thinking through even in your story, how do we respond in the situations? You know, as a young man kind of going, you could have um, gone a lot of different directions. You know, mm -hmm. there were some hard things and you know, you felt the call of Christ and that there were people that kind of God placed in your life and were strategic and were receiving of you. Um, and now you have an incredible ministry, you know, with a lot of other people. And so um, I, I, I really love the book for that part of it because it was convicting for me, but also it helped me go in your shoes and, and, and to think about some of those dynamics that happen um, and how how I can live more like Christ and, and even in my in my context. Good. There, there was. I just want to say this. There were some beautiful images in the book. I, I mentioned this one uh, uh, particular that I'd, that I'd written down here. Um, those empty places in our lives ultimately become containers to hold more of God's grace. I'm like, wow. That that just. I just sat with that for a long time. Um, Josh, you begin. I think it's a poem that you wrote. The very kind of the mm -hmm. the. Uh, forward, fantastic poem. And by the way, I'm preaching through Isaiah, and that Isaiah 19, I'm going to approach completely differently now because of this book too. But uh, just some beautiful places in there. Now, Sarah, as you as you did this, as you, you you've already talked kind of about the process of how you did these interviews and these kind of things. Are you the one who kind of put the final crafting on these? So, like like that kind of phrasing was that from your conversations, or is that something that you're kind of doing as you're as you're doing your writing furiously at night, as you say? Yeah, um, I think a lot of those hit me the same way probably that they did you. But I think Josh was just kind of talking and not, you know, he, to him, this is just kind right. of natural. But, I, you know, when he would and that sentence that you just talked about, like that was something he specifically said. Um, okay. And yeah. there's several images and metaphors like that in the book that when he said them as we were talking on the phone, I was just like, wow, like this is really yeah. helpful because you've just taken something so abstract and made it so concrete, like I can see right. it, I can feel it with my five senses. And I, you know, I'm not, I think that 
in writing, like it's so important to show, don't tell. Like they teach you that when you're, when you're little show, don't tell, like, don't tell the reader what you're going to do. Um, show them, just do it, just do it immediately. And so Josh is, is, um, I think he just more naturally thinks that way in those like concrete (laughs) metaphors. So, um, whenever he would say those, like, I thought that those were so valuable and I think, um, I was able to capture those, you know, sometimes. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's cool. Really, really good partnership. So let me ask, are you are you guys thinking about another book now? Oh, yeah. Is that too early to think about that? Okay. I'm thinking about another book. I don't know if Josh is. You know, I think every time we, we talk on the phone or do anything, I hear uh, Sarah typing. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm just, we're talking, we're not talking about anything. Just typing up everything I say. So. Well, there, there have been exactly already right. a couple things that you guys talked about in this conversation. I thought, oh, that would, that would be a good kind of follow-up to this. Yes. That would be something else to do. I, I hope hope you have the opportunity to do that. Me so. too. Absolutely. Yeah, so tell us, uh, tell everybody that's listening how they can find you guys, what's going on with the book, how they can stay in contact, especially when there's the follow-up book. How you know how can they uh, stay up to date with, with what's going on with, with the book and you guys? Well, you can order the book anywhere. It's, you know, wherever you like to order books, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble. So, um, it's available for pre-order, and it it um, it releases June seventh. So I think the day the, I think June seventh will be the day this podcast is is released for us. Too. Yeah. Oh, nice! So, so okay. today so, you, you today, don't have to pre-order; you can, order. You can just you get can it purchase today. it today. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, as far as where to find us, yeah, I, I I'm not very uh, tech savvy here. I mean, I guess <laughs> I'm on Facebook and um, okay. Instagram. I'll give you my Instagram handle here. I okay. should have prepared this. I oh, talked fine. about preparing this. My Instagram handle is uh, Sharif, S-H-E-R-I-F, Josh. Okay. And, All right. Uh, yeah, just search my name. Very cool. Is there an official website or anything like that for the book, or is it? Yes, it is. It will also be ready by the time <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> we, we'll put it, we'll, we'll link it in the show. In the it's going to be ready, I'll be, promise. I'll be fine, so. <laughs> Okay. All right. So that, on that question. Well, Sarah, that Sarah, how can we get a hold of you? Is there, um, is there a... Yeah, I do have a website. It's mostly just for my counseling stuff, but I occasionally will blog on there. It's just Sarah Tierney Counseling. Tierney is T-I-E-R-N-E-Y. And then I'm on Instagram as well. Um, my handle is Sarah with an H, Lou, L-E-W, who, W-H-O. So I occasionally will okay. will blog like therapy thoughts on there. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I've noticed you lately. You've been talking a lot about um, you know stuff that's going on within the church with leadership and some of the crises that the, the church as a whole is facing. So I think I'd, I'd recommend reading some of the stuff that you've written about that as well. So yeah, thank you, absolutely. Well, yeah, thank you guys so much for the time today, and and uh, you know thanks for the books. Oh, I was going to hold hold it up. We always forget to hold up the book, and here it is. So very cool. Um, excellent read. I encourage everybody to to think about uh, going out and getting a copy. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you both so very much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank this you. is why you turn in your homework in college, because your college <laughs> professor might interview you on a podcast <laughs> later. Or whatever they have in the future. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right. See you Bye. guys. God bless. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Brian and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I will be back in Ephesians looking at the first part of chapter three. We hope you'll join us for that. Thanks again for joining us at the table. We will be back Tuesday.